Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. About Jesus, but we're kind of going to lead up to that and and talk about the importance of kind of the roots of why we need to know that and um, excited about this. So even before we get started, I want to I want us to pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and just uh, the sense of your presence and your work in us. And I pray today, Lord, especially, Lord, of uh, I think of, of all the servants, Lord, you've ever birthed in my heart, Lord, I pray that you would just give me the words, Lord, and that you would open our hearts ready to receive your word. And we would be exposed and questions would be answered. And Lord, that you would just have an encounter with us about the identity of your son, Jesus. And we thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So names are important. And um, I don't know if it, it, if you have a a nickname, sometimes even um, nicknames are carried by people. Um, from time to time, I, you'll hear people uh, call me PT. Um, if you if you didn't know where some of that comes from, Pastor Todd is PT. I get asked actually that quite a lot. Well, why do they call you PT? Well, Pastor Todd. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and I've, I've gotten to an age that, you know, it's never really bothered me what people call me, uh, just as long as you don't call me late for dinner. Um, that's an important one. <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't know, maybe it's an age thing, but the kind of the older I've gotten, I kind of prefer to be called pastor than my first name. And um, uh, my kids think just the opposite. And, uh, are, you know, they sometimes, they, you know, they usually call me dad or if they're really trying to get my attention, they'll say Todd. And, and then if, if they still don't get my attention, they'll say pastor. And for some reason I answered that. So I don't know what that is. Um, but it, you know, it, it doesn't bother me either way. Where Pastor Todd actually got started was years ago, um, um, more than, uh, well, about 23, 24 years ago, I was uh, on staff at a church in Amarillo, and every week I would meet with some of, uh, I, I wasn't the youth pastor at the time, I was an associate pastor, but I, I still met with some of our young men in the youth group, and we had morning prayer Monday, Monday Wednesday, Friday before they went to school. And so we also had this guy in our church, he was a car broker. And he would, from time to time, he would just come drop, drop random cars off at the, the church for me to drive for a couple of days. And so I always got to drive kind of a really cool car. And, um, but one time he dropped off, I don't know if you remember these cars, the PT Cruiser. If you've ever owned one of those, I'm sorry. Um, of all the vehicles he ever dropped off, I was like, David, come get this one. I, I don't know if I like this one. But one day I had, I was, for a few days I was driving one of those. And uh, so, and, but I would take him to school and you know, one of them was our pastor's son, Michael. There was a couple other guys. And so we, we get in the PT cruiser and, and uh, we're, I'm driving to school and Michael goes, hey, it's PT driving the cruiser. And so that's kind of really where, 
where that came from. But, uh, you know, names, names are important. My, my, my first name, middle name is Todd Michael. I wish I could tell you I had some wonderful story how I got Todd Michael as my name, but the reality was my mom didn't know what to name me, and in the delivery room was, was Dr. Todd and Dr. Michael. So that, that's literally where my name comes from, so I'm Todd Michael. We tried to be a little more intentional with our kids. I know I've talked about this often, but we do believe that names have a meaning. Um, our oldest, Shaylee, that serves at, at Tech as a Calpha missionary, her name is Shaylee Brienne. When Shaylee was first born, I texted my parents, and uh, they couldn't be there at that time, and for some reason, my dad got it into his head that it was Shay- Shaylee Brainy. We're like, no, Dad, it's not Shaylee Brainy, it's Shaylee Brienne. And, uh, but Shaylee Brienne actually, you know, has a meaning. Shaylee is actually a derivative of Michael, which is my middle name. But Shaylee Brienne, what it means is messenger of God. We, we wanted her, we, we just felt that, uh, that that's an important thing to name her. Chase Michael, he uh, does carry with the same middle name. But Chase Michael, messenger of God. But Chase actually comes from Psalm 63, 8. I followeth hard after thee, O God, it says in the King James. And so um, all through Chase being growing up, Angela did a lot of chasing too. And uh, there, there, we were on the road then. There was a few times where you'd see Chase bolt across a platform. You know, if we were at a church, a smaller church where they didn't have child care. Um, Kaylee Annalise is, uh, means one who works for the king. And so we, all of them have some kind of messenger, angel name. But my question today is really what's in a name? And so we're going to begin in Exodus and kind of look at where all this begins for us and how it translates to the New Testament. And so John, oh, I forgot my timer. No, I'm, oh, I'm, we're good. Um, Exodus chapter 3. And uh, John, did I say Genesis earlier? I don't even remember. But Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read one verse in John chapter 8 and verse 58. So John, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And uh, this is a part of a huge passage, really two chapters in Exodus where this unfolds. But we're just going to focus in on verse 14 and then John chapter 8 and verse 58. So Exodus three fourteen says this, God said to Moses... And we're going to talk about how all this happened, the context it happened in. But here's Moses at the burning bush with God. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And flip over to John chapter 8, verse 58, and you may have your paper notes or you're filling the blank for your notebook or following us online at the YouVersion Bible app. Our notes are there as well. But John chapter 8, verse 58, and Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. The names of God, this is very important because if if you didn't know this, right, God is big. Did you know that? That God is big. And I, I know some of these things I say all the time, but I kind of want to, these things I kind of say, I pepper throughout every message. I wanted to bring together really in one message to lay a foundation here is a, is a psalmist actually writes that God is so big that he measures the universe by the span of his hand. 
I mean, God is infinite. God is magnificent. And, and there, with us, our humanity and our, even of the highest intellect, and we, if we have the highest IQ, our brains are still limited. Us as humans are still limited. And so the way that God relates to us many times in revealing himself is through names. And the names of God are how we personally connect with God. And so let me say it this way. Many of you in the room here, you are believers. You serve Jesus and you came to a moment in time in your life where maybe, you know, before you met Jesus, you realized that you were living life your own way in rebellion and were full of sin and all that kind of stuff. And you had an encounter. There was something that triggered on the inside of you. And really what that was, that was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so you came to Jesus, you confessed him as Lord, asked him to forgive you of your sins. And right there, you experienced a character uh, an attribute of Jesus, of God, and that is he is savior. Are you following me? And so we all have encounters with this, and, and we have to remember, right, that his, and it's just not like a crutch or a, a, a lip service to say this, it's not a cop-out, but God's ways are higher than our ways because we are not all-knowing. We are not all-powerful, but God is. We can't be everywhere at once but God's omnipresent. And so his ways are higher than ours, his thoughts higher than ours. And so the reality is, we can't even begin to know the fullness of God. That's what eternity is for. We really have a difficult time understanding how someone can be all powerful and all knowing and ever present. And it sparks all kinds of debates, right? right? If God is God, then how come he allows bad things to happen? Right? That's a big question a lot of people ask. If God is God, then why, why, why are there so many natural disasters if God is God? And, and it creates us all this debate, and hopefully through some of this, we can answer some of those questions. But the importance to know God, the Father, it, it, it has strong connection in who Jesus is to us. See, the, what I see so many times are people are good with Jesus, Right? I mean, there's even the t-shirts. Jesus is my homeboy. I don't necessarily like those t-shirts, but I mean, for most people, they, you know, they're like, oh, Jesus loves me. He, he forgives me. And, and they have, you know, this, like this warm, fuzzy relationship with Jesus. But then there's the father who's up in heaven ready to strike me at the first thing I do wrong. But the reality is, is Jesus is the perfect expression of who God the Father is. And so if we really want to know the Father, we have to look at Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter 12 that he says, you know, he's talking to some Pharisees and to the gathering people, and he says this, but the Father sent me, has himself given me a commandment. And so he says this, what to say and what to speak. What Jesus does directly comes from the Father. And there's far more uh, scripture evidence that we're gonna look at through the next few weeks, but I like how the New Living says it. That last statement, the New Living says this, the Father has sent me and has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And so when we look at Jesus, we see the perfect expression of the Father. 
And here's what it comes down to is when we look at this and when God says, I am that I am sent you, that's not really language or, or a way that we talk, right? You know, um, and, uh, but, but that's an interesting statement. There's so much meaning behind that statement when God says, I am, so you tell them I am sent you. So what does that mean? It begins to open up something so powerful throughout the Old Testament. And it's the Jehovah names of God. And the Jehovah names of God, specifically Jehovah is God. What Jehovah means is a God who reveals himself unceasingly. And what that means is, is we're going to spend all of our human lifetime and all of eternity, and did you know for in all of that span of time is going to be a discovery of who the Father is? I mean, think about that for a moment. I mean, I, again, I know I've said some of these things so many times, but when you look at Isaiah, when the angels are flying around, Isaiah has this, 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 this vision, Isaiah chapter 6, and the seraphs are flying around the throne of God and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord whose glory fills all of the earth. And so there's these, these angel-like beings that are flying around the throne of God. And I mean, think about this is happening for all of eternity, them flying around him crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the way I've always kind of expressed that and processed that in myself is that God is so magnificent Magnificent and so huge and so big that every time they come around the face of God, they see something different. That's how big God is. Now, I, hang with me. I know some, but there may be some kind of really, really religious people, and you're kind of, this is kind of a little sandpaper, but this is going to unravel. This is going to open up for you, I promise. I'm not trying to say, you know, trying to make up something about God. I'm trying to express to you who God is. What's in that name, Jehovah? And so throughout the Old Testament, we have El Shaddai, right? So maybe some of you, remember, there used to be a song, El Shaddai. Do you remember that song? An old song. Did Amy Grant sing that song, I think? In Genesis chapter 17, so El Shaddai, it has an English meaning. And if you want to read about El Shaddai, I think it's there all in your notes. It's Genesis 17, 1. But El Shaddai, it has a meaning. And so, right, if God just, you know, let me, let me point this out as well. You know, there was a time in Exodus, at the end of Exodus, right? And, um, and God told Moses, this is after out of Egypt. Now, follow along with me. I, I know maybe some in the room, you're not you know, real familiar with some things in Scripture in the Bible. But Moses had, has brought the children of Israel out of, you know, then they weren't Israelites, they were Hebrews, but brought them out of Egypt and they're making a way and, you know, Moses gets the Ten Commandments and, and uh, right, and then Moses walks up and they're worshiping a false, you know, a golden calf and so he breaks the Ten Commandments, but then God speaks something to Moses and he says, you know what, I told you that I was going to go with you to the promised land, but I ain't going now. You can still go but I'm not going with you. And Moses begins this moment of intercession where he says, no, if you're not going, this is a powerful sermon too. If you're not going, we're not going. Because we want to be where you are. We want to be where you are. And so there begins this moment of intercession. And um, that was a good point. I completely forgot where I was going with that. It happens every blue moon. But in Genesis 17, we see Lord God Almighty. That's what El Shaddai means. 
That's what El Shaddai means. And he first has used it with Abraham. The Lord God Almighty. Matter of fact, it says um, that there, there, there is no one, the only one that compared to God in his might and that he is almighty. Um, uh, there's another one, the most high God. You find this in Psalm 57 too. El Eon means the most high God, meaning what? There is, there is nothing of this creation. There is nothing of this planet. There is nothing, you know, there is no really false God. There's nothing that can pair to God. Many times when I try to kind of bring us together and lead us in a moment of worship, you'll hear me say that nothing compares to you, God. That's the root of where that comes from, that he is the most high God. There's nothing that compares to him. But each and every one of these, we're getting an, an attribute, an aspect of who the Father is. We read in Psalm 52, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. That was also first used with Abraham. We see in Exodus 17, we see Jehovah Nissi. What Jehovah Nissi means is the Lord my banner. The Lord my banner. In Exodus 17, 15, Moses built an altar, the scripture says, and he called it, the Lord is my banner. God is a, and really what it's talking about is that God is a banner of encouragement to give us hope. Now think about that. A lot of people see God as someone distant, as someone not caring, as someone who's not involved, as someone who's ready to punish you at the first thing you do wrong. When the reality, when we look at scripture, he shows himself to be someone, hey, I am here to encourage you. I'm here to give you a hope. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. I bet some of you could guess where that comes from. As you may recall the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that's exactly who he is. Remember he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be there. I will comfort you. I will guide you. I'm going to tell you the Lord is our shepherd that leads us, that guides us. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals. And many of these you see all through scripture. The first time we see this is also with Moses. And he tells them, hey, listen, you're leaving Egypt behind. And I'm going to tell you that all those diseases and sicknesses, they're not going to come upon you because I'm the Lord God that heals. That's where we're introduced. But there's a powerful promise in Jeremiah 30, 17. For I will restore health to you and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because I've called you an outcast and you've come out of somewhere where no one cares. But what he's saying is, I care for you and and I care for your needs. And from the beginning of time, throughout all the first century to now, I'm gonna tell you that our God is a God that heals. He is a God that heals. And hopefully by now, maybe something's clicking a little bit. You're like, oh yeah, I see where Jesus talked about that. I see where Jesus did that, why? Jesus is the perfect expression of the Father. Are y'all are with me? Okay, 
That's, we're, we're, just, we're, we're still doing pre-check flight right now, just so you know. There's also Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. Does anybody remember in the New Testament where Jesus promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Did you know Jesus was quoting the Old Testament when he said that? Jesus told him something else. He said, I'll be with you always, lo, even to the ends of the age. That's why he said, it's better for you that I go, right? It's better for you that I go because there's the promise of the Father that's coming and that's the Holy Spirit and that's how he's with us today. But the Lord is there, Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 25, adjoining the territory of Simon, Simeon, from the east to the west. And what it's telling us is, is that it doesn't matter how far east you go or how far west you go or north you go or south you go, you know where God is? He's there. Can I tell you what I have found in my life? When I've been at my sickest, God was there that when I was at my greatest point of hurt, God was there. That when I was in the biggest temptation of my life, you know where God was? God was there. When I was in the midst of a point of confusion, can I just tell you something? That God was there. It hasn't mattered what I have faced or gone through or been through. God has always been there. Always. Always. God has not abandoned and will bring restoration. God has not abandoned and will bring restoration. Jehovah sit canoe. And these, I'm not even going through all of them. I'm just kind of giving you a taste. Jehovah sit canoe. Remember, Jehovah is, is God revealing himself unceasingly. So think about what we're talking about in that terms, that God will unceasingly reveal himself as a healer, that God unceasingly will reveal himself that he's always there. Are you following me? That God will, will unceasingly, what's some other one? That, it, that, that he will always be in that valley with us and guide us with his, 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 his staff. Jehovah said canoe, the Lord God our righteousness. It comes from Jeremiah 23, 6. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. This is in the book of Jeremiah, of course. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. I just want to share another verse with you that goes along with that in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, for our sake, he made him, so who's the he and who's the him? The he is the father, the him is Jesus. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. He was the unblemished lamb. So that we might in him, Jesus, become what? The righteousness of God. Jehovah Mikodeshim. You want to try to say that? The Lord who sanctifies you. The Lord who sanctifies you. The scripture tells us in Exodus, above all else you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout all generations that you may know that I am the Lord 
to sanctify you. Listen, with that word sanctify, sanctification, it's a, it's a big theology word for some of us, but what it means is when you come to faith in Jesus, it makes you clean. He sanctifies you. It doesn't mean you're perfect because what we believe scripture teaches us is he cleanses us, he washes us of all of our impurities, all that sin that separates us from God, but we also partake of a growing process because I, listen, you, I know you may be, have people in your life that have told you that you're perfect, your spouse has told you, honey, you're the, you're the most perfect one on the planet. I'm gonna tell you, that's a fib, they're just trying to help you feel better. We're all, we're all growing. We're all maturing. We fall short and make mistakes. But what, what, what's one of our favorite verses? A, a man may fall six times, but a righteous man does what? He gets up seven. And so it's a process that we're growing in, but we remember that it's he who is our righteousness. Jehovah Jireh, right? We're familiar with that one. I, and just book, even coming out of these last two weeks, I'm going to tell you something. Jehovah Jireh does not specifically mean that God is going to give you money. I know that's. A, I know there's so many songs that tell us that because that's where you know where all the good theology is. I say that out loud. I'm sorry. Jehovah Jireh, it does mean the Lord will provide, but it's talking about a, a specific provision. It's found in what where we find that. You know where we find that? Is when Abraham is taking Isaac to sacrifice him because that's what the Lord has asked of him. And Isaac keeps saying, okay, dad, I know we're going to do the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. I mean, I, Isaac had to be sweating a little bit, right? I mean, he kind of know what's going on. And it comes to that moment that, that Abraham is actually fixing to plunge a knife into Isaac. And then God intervenes and there's a ram caught in a thicket. And Abraham says, the Lord has provided. You see, the provision is that we needed somebody to die in our place. See, if you really want to know what that story of Abraham and Isaac is, it is supposed to have been us placed on that cross upon that altar, but God provided another way and that he sent his one and only son to die for our sin. So are you with me so far? I really like this one. There's a couple of more. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, our peace. That was given to Gideon. And so when you look and you track through the Old Testament, you see all these encounters where God just reveals us a little bit more about himself. He is the Lord, uh, he, he's the, the Lord is peace. And remember, the Bible says that God will give us a peace that trans, Philippians 2, 4, 2, 4, 4, 4, 4, it's in Philippians, that God will give us a peace that, 4, 6, that God will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding and it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna tell you, there's a lot of people chasing peace, but it's only gonna be found in one place and that's Jehovah Shalom. <laughs> Jehovah Shaboth, the Lord of hosts. Listen, uh, you know, uh, I kind of want to move on a little bit, but really what it's talking about here, the Lord of hosts, we see it in Psalm 24, but here's what it's saying, that God has universal sovereignty over everything. 
I mean, in essence, that's what it's saying. The Lord of hosts. God is sovereign in his reign. And what that means is, is that not, he's not voted in the power. He has all the power. What God sovereignly reigns means he doesn't have to take a poll to decide what he's going to do. He's already omniscient and omnipresent and all powerful. And so he does what he wants to do. The psalmist write that God can do whatever he pleases. And so just to rabbit trail, just for just a moment, 30 seconds, because I kind of drew it out and I want to point it out again. So many people have a difficult time with God because of the chaos that is in our world. And they say, if he's all powerful, you know, can God create a rock that he can't move? You know, it is, you know all these debatable things that happen. And if you don't know, the way I want to express it to you this way, we live in a fallen world and God has given us free will. The reason why the world is in such chaos, you know, I, I just do not see anybody running up to Adam and Eve asking for an autograph in heaven. Right? I mean, where all this entered in was because of Adam and Eve rebelling in the garden. And because of that, they brought a curse on us all. But there's been a perfect Adam born and he lived a sinless life and he gave his life as the lamb of God. Hello? That we could, hey, that we could be forgiven of our sin. And so, why am I sharing all of this? Here's, so now this is where the sermon starts. I, I was thinking about this. I, you know, I have two favorite movies in life. I really do. My, my, my number one movie that I, is, is like, I mean, I could watch it, you know, six days on Saturday. I really could. Is The Patriot. You may remember The Patriot. The Patriot is my all-time, but Pastor, it's rated our, I know, it's the only rated R movie I own. I, some of you just got really quiet. I, that, you may think less of me, but I love because of the historical value and you know just the, I think it's a very well written movie and and I love I love the Patriot. My second favorite movie of all time is The Prince of Egypt, and I know it's a cartoon, but I I mean. I, if I watch, you know, The Patriot six times on Saturday, I can watch, you know, Prince of Egypt five times on Sunday, right? I mean, I love this show. And probably there, two of my favorite scenes is Moses at the burning bush and the, the wedding scene, the montage. So I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't seen it, I'll go see it. I know, it's a, I know it's a cartoon. It was the very first movie that DreamWorks ever did, actually. And there's some history there. But I, to express, and you know, we could, we could take the time and read all through Exodus 2 and 3. But I thought what might be better is let's just watch the movie. So we have some popcorn coming in. No, I'm kidding. So this is, this is, a, this is a couple of three minutes, but I want to show the scene from the prince of Egypt on his encounter. And it's dramatized. I mean, you find a lot of scripture in out through there, so I'm not saying that. 
but kind of where we're going from here and all what I've talked about, I want you to take all what we've talked about and, and kind of what you're about to visually see in here, and then it's gonna, and then we're, it, we're gonna get to where we're headed, okay, of, of how this relates to Jesus. And so, you know, let's kind of turn the lights down and take a few minutes and watch this clip. Well, I got goosebumps now, I don't know about you. You know, if we were to go through and we could track through and talk about the whole story, but so in this moment that Moses has this encounter with the I am, there's some things that happen. And one of them is, is that Moses asks a question. He says, and you'll find this in scripture, he says it I know in the, in, on the clip, but he says it in scripture, who am I? And that's, you know, when we are faced with what God asks of us, what God wants from us, I think that's a question that many of us ask. If we, because we have some understanding, I mean, as we just talked about, all this power that God has, all this knowledge, just his, his ever present, that he's ever present, he's, he's, he's always there, and all these things about God, and we ask ourselves so many times, who am I? Who am I to witness to Bob, right? Who am I to, um, uh, to, to approach and, and pray for Sue? Who am I that, you know, I've only got some fish and some loaves. Who, who, who am I that only have a, a, a widow's might? Who am I? I don't, I don't have the, the, the college education. Who, who am I that you, you don't know my past? You don't even know what I did this week. And who am I that anybody would listen to me? And the reality is that you know that God never really answers that question. What he responds with is who he is. That's what he responds with. I mean, because the next thing that God says, when you look through Exodus 2 and Exodus 3 and you look through this passage and Moses asks, who am I? God says, and, and, well, then Moses asks it this way, you know, okay, who, who are you? And how God answers the who am I question is you'll find it in Exodus chapter three and verse 12. He says, but I will be with you. I will be with you and this will be a sign that I've sent you. The reality is this, is whenever you obey God and step out in faith to what he has for you, he's never going to leave you hanging. He's always going to be right there with you. If you take the step of faith to see a life change, to leave behind some addictions or life controlling issues, God will always be there. When you decide that you, you know, you will need some areas of your nature to change and so you step out in faith, God will always be there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And so then Moses asks, you know, God always promises that he'll be with us, but who are you? And so, you know, Moses asks, you gotta remember, there really hasn't been an encounter like this since Adam and Eve and Enoch. And, the, and at that, the, the, the Hebrew children have been in captivity for 400 years. And there is no doubt in that time in Egypt that they probably started worshiping some of the Egyptian gods. And Moses says, but who are you? And that's what it comes down to is what is in God's name? Because in God's name, we find out who he is.
I mean, think about the importance of this. What did, I mean, when, when the whole thing of the angel appearing to Mary and there's this encounter, I mean, what does the angel say? His name shall be called Jesus because he's gonna save people from their sins. There's so much in the name. And so when we see this, I am that I am, tell them that I am sent you, we do see some things. And here's what we see. There are no other gods but God. There are no other gods but God. Our Father in heaven is the one true God. There's a lot of gods that people try to create. There's a lot of gods that people try to serve. And maybe even some of those times they don't realize they're creating a God or serving another God. I mean, because of what the idols we've created in life. I'm going to tell you, there is no God but our God. Our God. Yahweh is the only one of his kind. When he says, I am that I am, that's where we get the name Yahweh. And what it is telling us is that from the beginning, there was God. After eternity, there's God. Isaiah 43.10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. The second thing is this, is that God is eternal, right? There is no God but God, but God is also eternal. You know, I, Yahweh's existence, there, there, there is no uh, concept of time. As a matter of fact, time is a man-made creation, and after time there will still be God, why am I sharing this? Because I, I, want, I want us to understand when I talk about that God measures the universe by the span of his hand, just how big God is, that God is eternal. There has never been a time where God didn't exist. God has always existed. When there should be no more time, there will be God. Everything in the universe has its limits, but God has no limits. The psalmist wrote this, before the mountains were brought forth or you had ever formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Here's what's also something important from we're talking about Yahweh, that I am that I am, is that there is no God but God, that God is eternal, and that God is always the same. God is always the same. The scripture tells us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Some of us remember the hymn, you remember this hymn? As thou hast been, thou forever shalt be, great is thy faithfulness. God is always the same. So if there is no God but God, and God is eternal, and God is the same, here's here's. Here's where just a minute of this truth impacts us, is that you can always depend on the Father. Always. Always. Even when you don't think you can, you can depend on him. The Bible says in Malachi 3.6, For I, the Lord, do not change, therefore, O children, are not consumed. And here's another thing. 
So God, there's no God but God. God is eternal. God's the same. And, and God is the same. So think about this. We're, we're, you know, man, what humanity, us, people, we're so fickle. <laughs> right? We, we are. We're, we're a fickle people. But God is not. It culminates with this, that God acts on our behalf. So that moment, that burning bush, it starts the process that God just begins to reveal himself. It really, I mean, just in a a, a significant way, I am that I am, Yahweh, that he acts on our behalf. How did all this begin? He heard the children of Israel crying out what? Deliver us. And so God became a deliverer. When he showed himself to be Abraham, to be, you know, that, that provider, when he showed himself to Moses, that he's the banner and all these. And when he shows to Gideon that he's peace, there's a statement I've made many times. I've been questioned on it many times is when it comes down to in our English language, or at least our modern language, the way I understand it, the way that this speaks to me is that God is whatever I need him to be when I need him to be it. Not what I form him to be, not necessarily what I want him to be, but he, in, in any moment, any time, what happens is I have an encounter with God and he shows me who he is. So Jesus is the expression of I am. Jesus is the perfect expression of I am. Colossians 1 tells us he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And then where we're going to pick up next week is right here. We read it in John 8, 58, because what does Jesus say? Before Abraham was, I am. And that is so rich. Why? Because many would argue Jesus never said that he was God. Well, this right here tells us when he says, I am, he's referring right back to Exodus when God revealed himself as I am. And what Jesus is saying is, me and the Father are one, and I'm here on a mission to show you who the Father is. And where this relates to you right now today, wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, whatever you're contending with, whatever you're going through is this, is that wherever you are and whatever you're facing and whatever you're battling and whatever you're contending with and whatever you're struggling with, whatever, whatever the sin is, whatever the addiction is, whatever the marriage is like, whatever the workplace is like, whatever the family life is like, God is enough. God is enough. He is enough. He's he's walking with you right with, with what you're facing. He's with you. He has the power that you need. He has the knowledge that you need. He has the wisdom. He has everything that you need. Everything. The I am is with you. Would you stand with me this morning?
Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.